I get letters all the time, and I hear from people who have been taken advantage of in financial transactions. And, you know, it really is — it's sad. And a lot of it isn't even uh, — it's not fraud or anything. For one thing, I mean, just the charges involved, the frictional costs and the, the baloney that is, is presented uh, is, is tough. Charlie and I have had very good luck in terms of buying businesses and putting our trust in people. Uh, it's been just overwhelmingly good. But we filter out a lot of people. And then they say, how, well, how do you filter them out? Uh, I would say, and I think Charlie will agree with this, people give themselves away fairly often. And maybe it does help to have been around as long as we have in seeing the various ways they give, give themselves away. Uh, they — when somebody comes to me with a business, and I probably shouldn't tell this publicly because they'll probably tailor their approach subsequently, but when, when they come, just the very things they talk about, uh, what they regard as important and not important, there are a lot of clues that come as the subsequent behavior. And like I say, we've — we really had a, a batting average I wouldn't have thought we would have had uh, in, in the people that we've joined with. But it hasn't been 100 uh, percent. It's been well above 90. And I, I, I get asked that, you know, I mean, how do you, how do you make those judgments? And uh, I don't know, Charlie, can you articulate the way we do it? <laughs> Well, partly we're deeply suspicious when the proposition is too good to be true. Warren once introduced me to a gentleman promoter who wanted to inveigle us into an insurance program, and he said, we only write fire insurance on concrete bridges that are covered by water. He says, it's like taking candy from babies. We are able to filter out propositions like that. Yeah, anybody that <laughs> any anybody that implicit in their comments or what they kind of laugh about or all kinds of things in terms of the the fact you know it's so easy and it ain't that easy you know <laughs> and we we get suspicious very quickly uh, and and the truth is we we rule out. 90% of the times, and, and we may be wrong about a fair number that we're ruling out. The important thing is whether the ones we're ruling in we're right about. And so we don't mind we, — uh, we're looking for the obvious cases of people you can trust. I, I think you really ought to tell about the experience with the fraud claim. <laughs> uh, what? On the fraud claim, it, uh, you know, that, uh, the fidelity claim with the guy, you know, you had, had the very well-known insurance company that — you don't have to name names, but uh, — well, then, you know, you basically told them just raise the stakes uh, to, to make the, the game fair. This was back in the 1960s. Do you remember that? I don't remember. Oh, well, I, I do re I remember it. Well, tell it then. Uh, <laughs> well, Charlie had this tiny little operation, which he ran as fund, also had a seat on the Pacific Coast Stock Exchange. The firm was called Wheeler Munger. It was called Wheeler Munger at first. Later, it changed itself to Munger Wheeler, and Jack Wheeler said, well, pretty soon it'll be Munger and Company, but that's okay. They, Jack Wheeler was a very interesting guy, and he had the specialist position in General Motors and a few things. And some employee stole, like, 
I don't know, 12,000 bucks or something like that. From yeah, the well, he hit, he hit, I remember, he hid the trading tickets. Yeah, yeah. Some, guy, some guy steals some money. And Charlie's firm, Wheeler Marker, was required to have a fidelity bond and all these things that covered dishonest employees and all of that sort. So this guy's clearly dishonest. He's clearly stolen the money. So Charlie puts in a claim for $12,000 or something like that, whatever the loss was, and sends it to this very big and prestigious insurance company. And of course, the insurance company denies this claim. They say, you know, the guy really wasn't employed, he doesn't exist, you don't have a dog, you know. I mean, the, the whole thing. And Charlie gets this letter back and they're not gonna pay the claim. And uh, so Charlie writes a letter to this very well-known, big name, uh, person that runs the insurance company. And he said, look it. He said, we have this $12,000 claim. And he said, this guy stole the money. Uh, and we thought we had an insurance policy against people stealing, <laughs> paid us people stole money. And he said, he said, we're in this very interesting position because you've got a bunch of people on the payroll and they're gonna get their weekly check or monthly check, whatever they do, so they just say, we're not gonna pay, and life goes on. Whereas I'm sitting here and I've got my time. I gotta work on this thing and it isn't worth the $12,000 for me to fool around with this claim against the company and they'll appeal it and all these things. So he said, I know that you would be offended by the thought that you might be using this inequality of bargaining position to avoid playing at the claim. I, that never could be your intention. So what I suggest in order to really live up to your code of behavior is why don't we make the $12,000 claim, we'll just, we'll just multiply it by 10 and call it 120,000 either way. And if you lose, you pay me 120,000. If I lose, I'll pay you 120,000. Now it's worth my while. And uh, <laughs> he addresses the letter to the chairman and says, that's the guy. He gets a $12,000 check by return mail. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad lesson. Uh, we, we can't identify 100% of the frauds or 90% or 80%, but there's certain ones that jump out to you. Just people give themselves away a lot too. I mean, in poker, they talk about tells, and Charlie and I have bought a lot of businesses, and it's, uh, it's very important when we buy those businesses that we assess the individuals that we're buying from uh, with some degree of accuracy, because, you know, they hand us the stock certificate, and we hand them a lot of money, and then we count on them to run the business with as much enthusiasm after they have the money uh, as they did before. And so we are assessing people. And we don't think we can assess everyone uh, accurately. We just have to be right about the ones where we make an affirmative decision. And those decisions have not always been perfect, but they've been pretty good. And I would say they probably have gotten a little bit better even as the years has passed. Similarly, in looking at financial statements, uh, for example, in in the insurance field, we've, 
we've seen some frauds and there you can see things being done with loss reserves occasionally we saw it back in I won't name any names unlike Charlie I don't we'll call them call them company A's and B's instead of naming names but you would see companies that when they were uh, offering stock to the public you know the year or two before that the reserves would go down very suspiciously and you know then and uh, or, or even when they were selling them uh, uh, to other insurance companies. Uh, uh, they were buying in stock, they might be building the reserves. But there's a, there's, a, there's a million different ways, and I don't claim I know all the ways, obviously, but I have seen enough situations over the years, and I've seen how promoters act. Uh, and you can, you can spot certain people who uh, you know are, are one way or another playing games with the numbers. Uh, uh, the, the proposals we receive from the investment world, I've got to tell you about one because it, 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 uh, it illustrates go on. We, we received a proposition the other day, and I'll disguise the numbers a little bit so nobody uh, can pick it out. But it was a private company, and we'll say it was earning $100 million a year. But the seller of the business and the investment banker suggested that we should look at the earnings as being $110 million a year because as a private company, they had to pay their top people in cash, which was expensed, but we could pay them in stock options and things like that, which weren't expensed or were explained as not really counting, and therefore we would, could report $110 million if we gave away something we didn't want to give away. But by essentially by, by sort of lying about our accounting, we could add $10 million to their earning, and they wanted us to pay them because they couldn't do it, and we could do it, and therefore, at this point, they're losing me, of course, <laughs> totally, but it, it's just astounding, the, the accounting games that are played, all the adjustments are why the place should really be, will be earning more than before, it's, it's, it's a business. We also had one that came in from a private equity firm, and by a mistake, uh, we got the email that was sent to the manager from the email from the private equity firms that owned it to the manager in terms of making projections for it. And they told them to add 15% because they say Buffett will discount it by 15% or 20% anyway. So just, just add 15% to offset his conservatism. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not an elegant business, as Charlie will tell you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.